0: Well, hey, good evening. Uh, my name is Lyle. I'm the worship director here for Elements City Church, and we just want to welcome you uh, and thank you, actually, really, for tuning in, for joining us once again, uh, because we recognize that really it's it's you who's welcoming us into your home right now, uh, wherever you're at. So wherever it is you are at, I'm guessing it's probably cooler and nicer than where we are at right now. It's a, a nice, cool 81 degrees inside the auditorium, uh, so it's going to be a little hot in here tonight. Uh, we've got fans on the stage, so we're gonna survive. We're good. We're gonna tough it out because we're gonna bring Element City Church to you. So anyway, thanks for joining us once again. Uh, as you know, uh, we we go through the same announcements pretty much each Sunday evening to start with. If you don't have our app, make sure you download it. You're gonna get a lot of stuff there, uh, from sermon notes to sermons themselves, uh, whole services. Uh, that's where you're gonna be able to to, uh, to give actually. So if you've got your tithes. Uh, that you want to send in, that's the place to do it. Um, Yeah, so we've got the Summer of Prayer series that's continuing tonight. We've got Pastor David who's going to be speaking. um, But we're excited to worship with you tonight. And so we're going to pray. As we pray, we want to pray for our Church of the Week. And that's going to be Iglesia Cristiana Peniel. Uh, And I think I said that right. So it's Angel Uh, Morphine is the the pastor there. So we want to pray for them, pray that God's going to continue to work through them and use them in the midst of all this season as well uh, to be a blessing to their community and just the community of Tucson in general. So uh, would you pray with me at home uh, as we get ready to worship? Father, we are excited for what it is that you want to do tonight. Uh, And so we're just going to set our hearts before you right now. uh, And we're just going to say, whatever it is you want to do, we're open to receive it, Father. So would you open our eyes, would you open our ears, open our hearts uh, in such a way that we can receive what it is that you have for us, uh, uh, how you want to shape us, how you want to grow us to be more like your son, Jesus. Uh, We just want to start by adoring you and thanking you and praising you uh, for who you are, for all you've done for us, uh, and just the many blessings that you continue to surround us with, uh, even in the midst of this season, God, Uh, you're good, you're always good, you're faithful, Uh, and so we just worship you. We thank you for uh, Iglesia, Christiana, Beniel Church, Lord. We, we pray for them and their pastor, uh, Angel, Lord, uh, just during this season, would you help them to be effective, God. Would you meet all the needs that they have financially. Uh, if anybody in their community has needs to allow their church just to gather around, kind of circle the wagons around them to be a blessing to them, to help them as well. Uh, but we just uh, are grateful that we get to be on the same team with them, Lord, that together we all get to uh, do a work here in Tucson uh, to continue to make the name of Jesus uh, famous right here. And so Jesus, it's you that we lift up now. Would you receive all the glory, all the honor, all the praise tonight uh, that we have to give to you. It's in your precious, it's in your holy name we pray, amen.
1: In all things, I've seen a glimpse of Your heart. A billion years, still I'll be seeing Peace and cause for to see you. We are alive for your praise, earth and sky. No one is silent. I shine in all the stars in glory. Your love is like the wildest ocean. Oh, nothing else compares. Your love is like the wildest ocean Oh, nothing else compares
0: And Jesus, nothing compares to you.
1: Present in my future. Every table is a feast, every heartbeat is an It my eyes. Speak quiet, our hearts were listening.
2: Father God, we linger here in your presence. You are here. There are so many things that distract us. We look around and maybe we feel like you're distant. But Father, we know the truth and that's you walk every step right alongside of us. Father God, I pray that you would empower your church, that we would live as conquerors, that we would live as those victorious, Because those around us, man, it just feels like this world needs a little victory right now. And by golly, we've got the victory and the life and the grace and the love that they need that we so passionately enjoy. Father, may we reflect that with everything that we are. We ask that your church, that you would empower us to be the church. And so much more than a cliche, but that your spirit within us would dwell to the point that we would enter the streets each day wanting to shout your praises And make known to the world. Make known to our community, Father. Make known to our friends, our co-workers, Lord. That the reason that there's something different within us is the spirit of Christ. Your holy, holy spirit within us. Revive us, revive those around us. We pray for revival in this land. Use us to accomplish that in your will, Father. Father, I pray for Pastor David as he comes and shares your words, God. Build us up. Build your kingdom through us. We love you. You are worthy of everything we have to give. Words don't describe it. But we do our best tonight to tell you that we love you. We pray these things in your name
3: amen Amen. hello Element City Church family all across Tucson. Uh, you seekers, you home dwellers, you cold air-conditioned people. Uh, welcome and thank you for coming in tonight. Uh, so want to welcome you in our continued journey in seeking God in prayer. Uh, understanding prayer, growing in prayer, we're teaching on prayer. Really, again, uh, back to the beginning of this year, uh, we as the pastors of this church really felt God press upon us that this year was to be focused on prayer, that this church, we as a people, we wanted to grow in prayer, we wanted to teach on prayer, we wanted to see God move through prayer, and so we are teaching now through the summer on prayer. And while we've taught a lot of different things on prayer, I wanna just push pause just for a second and, and, and make sure that our culture's not, not getting in the way a little bit of this understanding of prayer and why prayer is important. In other words, at the end of the day, what you say and how you pray and the different practices we teach and the things that we talk about and all these kinds of things, it, it, there's a slight possibility you may get the idea that prayer's about you. That somehow, if I just get the techniques, if somehow I just spend enough time, if somehow I do it just right, then somehow, I don't know, I I begin to do it right and things begin to happen. When the reality is prayer is simply engagement with God. It's deep, personal engagement with God. And if you take God out of the picture, what is prayer? Prayer is nothing at that point. In fact, the reality is uh, oftentimes when our culture is surveyed, virtually almost everybody in our culture will say they pray, whether they go to church, don't go to church, whether they really fasten themselves to a particular religion or Christianity. It it doesn't really matter, as they say, right? Even atheists pray uh, when the kamikaze pilots come in on your ship. Um, And so everybody prays but prayer, what we do is not what's most important. What's most important is that we engage with God on his terms, according to his covenant and through the Holy Spirit that he promises to give those who want to seek his face. And without that, at best, you're talking to yourself. And at worst, you're worshiping demons and other gods and and coming into contact with other things that are not good for you, okay? So when we talk about prayer, I don't ever want us to get man-focused. We don't wanna get me-focused when it comes to prayer and growing in prayer. We wanna become more God-conscious. We wanna become more intimately acquainted with how God has called us to draw near to him in prayer, in worship, and tonight we're gonna focus on the aspect of prayer called praise and thanksgiving. Um, This particular aspect of prayer, again, in in the Hebrew culture, now again, this is is the, the wild difference between us and our culture and what we've grown up in and what they grew up in in biblical times in the Hebrew culture. In other words, their culture was a culture of prayer and praise. Think about it. Twice a day, everybody, anybody who was at all dedicated, and most people were in some form dedicated because there was a social expectation that everyone in the culture was praying. But at least twice a day, everybody would repeat in a prayer the great Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your strength and with all your mind and with all your soul. And they prayed that at least twice a day, some of them three times a day. And then during those times of prayer, there would be praises and there'd be songs and there'd be scripture readings three times a day, every day. And then one day, the whole day long, family and cousins and the community all gathered together at the synagogue and there'd be an all-day prayer and praise and word and declaring of who God is. And then, of course, they set up these festivals that three times out of the year. Now, imagine this if your boss came to you and said, okay, we're, we're changing up the company. We're under new management. And the new management is going to set aside three months out of the year for you to go seek God in prayer and worship and praise, and you're going to all come and do it together. Never mind all the times that we pray every day at work three times a day. We stop work, we pray, we, we end the day with prayer. No words, Imagine what kind of culture it's like to live in that kind of culture. And our culture is so radically different that even when we begin to talk about this prayer and praise, if we're not careful, we become me-focused in it just because we're so humanistic in our, in our upbringing. We're so me-focused, so man-focused rather than thinking and, and, and drawing our attention to God. I want to I tell a little bit of a testimony uh, of why this means so much to me. Uh, some of you, I, I don't know how much I've ever shared this from the, from the pulpit, but I grew up in what I would call a backwoods kind of Pentecostal, Quaker, weird Christian cult kind of a church. Like, that's what I grew up in. And, and in this environment, uh, they didn't believe in any instruments. That was of the devil. That was of the world. And so, it, it was it was very calm. It was very somber. We sang hymns, but but usually just the depressing ones. We we somehow I don't know if we ripped them out or what. But as a child growing up, I, I remember tempted and tried. I don't know if any of you remember that hymn, but but man, we that was like our theme song. Just tempted and tried, and so weary, and 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 that was what we sang. And and of course, you knew you were going to hell, and and that's why you were there. And so. It was just constant legalism. And I thought, and I think back way back now, and I think, how in the world did churches become like that? When I, when I look at scripture and I look at the culture of praise and how they praised God all the day long and months on end throughout the year, and it was with every instrument, with every breath, all of creation was to join in this praise. How in the world in America, again, I'm not that old. Uh, growing up in a church that was so steeped in prayer, but I believe most of it was without God. We were worshiping, but God wasn't listening. We were praying, but God had grown tired of hearing our prayers and stopped up his ears from hearing us. We had a dead orthodoxy. We had a dead religion. We had a dead prayer life. And I begin to groan inside. I begin to sense there's something wrong. I remember beginning to read the Bible really for the first time when I was about 11 or 12 years old. And as a student in school, I hated to read. I I always tried to get the cliff notes, and if I could just get through that to write a book report, I would. And yeah, yeah, you know, I read the book, and you know, here's what it's about, and all those kinds of things. I hated to read, had a hard time reading, but here I was. Something about the Gospels. Something about Jesus. I began to read them and and it intrigued me. And all of a sudden I began to feel this, I didn't even know what it was. This love, this healing, this this peace, this this light, this, I don't know, something's happening in me. It's like something's being awakened inside of me and and I did not really know what was going on. You see, a lot of us don't know very much about prayer. We feel uncomfortable with prayer And we probably even feel, if we were honest, even more uncomfortable with exuberant type praise. Like, crazy man, that guy's crazy type praise, and doing that in front of other people. Like, that's not our culture. And we've allowed our culture to make us feel uncomfortable praying and praising God. And that's where I was. I I, I was there, but yet God began to encounter me. Notice, I didn't know how to get to him he figured out a way to get to me. And in my lack of knowledge, in my heresies that I believed at the time, and, and all my mixture of confusion and religion and what I had been taught, how in the world, but by God's grace, he came through and met me, and I began to go out in the woods, right? No longer at church, because I knew what was acceptable there, and none of this was acceptable there, so I began to go out during the week in the woods. And, and again, you gotta remember this. I had never been to another type of church. I'd never seen a church on TV. So I had no idea what anybody else out there did in church service other than the church I grew up in. And all I knew was no music, no smiling, no dancing, no shouting, no nothing except tempted and tried. That I knew. But something began to stir in me. And I went out into the woods and I remember beginning to dip into the Psalms the book of Psalms began to, I don't know, somehow I came across this strange book, this poetry, this, these, 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 these stories about David and Israel and, and how they would pray and how they would worship, and it started getting in me. You see, God was, was bringing my life into his. He was bringing my story into his, and I didn't even know what he was doing, but he was doing it. And so when I began to go out in the woods during the day or at nighttime, and I'd, people might have been thinking I was howling at the moon or something out there, I, I, I sometimes would take my axe and I would chop trees and build forts for the Lord. Again, what the heck am I doing? Like, where, where am I getting these crazy ideas? But every swing of the axe, it was like more freedom, more joy, just chains breaking off of me as I'm giving this activity of just axing away and shouting Jesus and, and dancing out in the woods all by myself. How in the world did I come to that place? It was because God began to engage me in a real way. And his spirit began to set me free. And I believe that's what God's wanting to speak to every one of you out there. And here is freedom and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is in fact what it is when you enter the kingdom of Christ. When you enter the culture of Christ, you enter a culture of freedom and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not found anywhere else except in the Holy Spirit. It's not found in the pews. It's not found just in mimicking the words. It's not found in just doing your best at praying. It's found when you meet with God and he meets with you and you come into this communion to where now your messed up life, your confused life begins to merge with his. You see, that's what the aspect of praise and prayer is all about. When you begin to pray, and again, here, I'm, gonna give you a, I'm gonna give you your application right now. Take the book of Psalms. Fall in love with the book of Psalms. All throughout the last 2,000 years of church history, the vast majority of those who grew in faith in Christ grew in prayer and praise through the book of Psalms. It reminds me of one of my kids. I'll, I'll leave him nameless. He was about 11 or 12 years old, and we had gotten him a basketball hoop, and he was out there shooting. And I came out there a little while later, and, hey, how's it going? And he kind of was all depressed. And, and I'm like, what, what's wrong? He says, I don't know, you, you said all this shooting out here would make me better. This, this practice would make me better. I feel like I'm getting worse. Now, now stop and think about that for a moment. So every known athlete, especially pros, they all know practice and perfect practice makes you better. For for generations, everybody knows practice makes you better. And here I am, the father, having much experience and telling my son, practice makes you better. But he's the genius. He's the wise one. No, practice makes you worse. Because that was his immediate experience. He made a few, and then he missed like 10 in a row, and yep, there it is. There's proofs in the pudding. Practice doesn't help. And that's the way many Christians approach prayer and praise. They try it a few times, and if if just heavens don't open up and every chain break off immediately, well, I guess it doesn't work for me. Really, really. You're the one person it doesn't work for. Your personality just happens to be the so unique personality that somehow exuberant praise is not for you. It's not about you. It's not about your personality. It's about Him. And what has He declared worthy of praise? How has He called us and commanded us to praise Him? The book of Psalms teaches us this. I wanna read uh, a a few quotes. These are probably the longest quotes you've ever seen read in a sermon in your life. But nevertheless, I'm going to read them because I think they're really important. So this number two one, it says, theologically the Psalms are the densest material in the Old Testament. In other words, what, what this guy is saying right off the bat is, listen, again, it's poetry, right? The Psalms are songs and poetry and prayers put to, put to poetic language. Why do we do that? Why do we create poetry? Why do we create metaphors and sit in? and all this different language. In other words, we're literally bending our normal English language. We're we're trying to bend it because we're trying to say something that flat, straight-ahead language just simply cannot say. In other words, for me to say God is good is theologically incorrect. But if I say, God is good, I am theologically now in my right mind. You, You get the difference. In other words, you see what I'm saying? In other words, oh, there's $1,000 on the ground, and then I walk away. And anybody who would see me say that would think, oh, that can't be $1,000. He, he must be kidding. He, he's lying to us because he said there was $1,000, and then he just walked away. He didn't pick it up, right? You, you see how that's theologically incorrect. You can't praise God without praising him in the way that he calls forth. He says there is no greater concentration of statements about God uh, than anywhere else. He said that reflection, the fact that theology is the key both to worship and pastoral care and that worship and pastoral care generate theological thought. In other words, as I praise God and I seek to love man in light of who God is, this creates greater revelation about who God is, and how to love my neighbor as myself. And that's what prayer and praising God does. In other words, when you begin to pray and praise God according to the Psalms, what happens is God is magnified. His goodness now is not just good, it's amazing. It becomes reality, it transforms you, it changes you, and now you want to be good as he is good. As he is holy, I want, my greatest desire now is to be holy. I want to be like him. You see, when you praise him, you become like him. When you worship him, you become like him. And when you pray to him, you begin begin to get the mind of Christ. You begin to think like he thinks. You begin to love what he loves. You begin to hate what he hates. You begin to be passionate about what he is passionate about. He goes on to say doxology and theology are closely related. Doxology requires theology. Glorifying God involves making many statements about God. You see, again, theology is only the first step. Theology informs. In other words, the biblical information informs how we are to praise. But until we take that theology, until we take that revelation and praise him, it is undone, it is half-baked. It has not reached its goal, which is to praise him for who he really is and to praise him in a way that truly does make him joyful because it displays who he is. In other words, here's another example. Uh, if, If the children in the home and the mother in the home are all beat up and bruised and depressed. What does that say about the father? You see their condition and, and their misery, and, and and people can see that what, what's wrong with these kids. They're, they're very backward, and man, some of them have bruises on them. And, and I, I met the wife, and the, and the wife doesn't even look up. She won't even hardly talk to you. She's so quiet. And then you meet the husband. Of that family, you meet the father of that family, and all of that reflects what kind of father he is, what kind of husband he is, and when the people of God do not exuberantly praise God continually, evermore, as we're going to read here in a moment, it reflects on our God. It says he's not that great. We might say it's worth a thousand dollars, but when we walk away in silence, everybody's very skeptical that it's really a thousand bucks. You see, that's what praise is all about. It's not about you. It's not about your feelings. It's not about your temperament. It's about glorifying him in the way that is demanded by him. But it's not just for him. He, he goes on to say, he says, uh, he says that, that there is a role, I love this. Like, it's very rare that theologians get cheeky, but here's, here's an example. He says there's a role to be played by dispassionate, analytical, theological statements, though I cannot remember what it is. (laughs) Let me repeat that. There is a role to be played by dispassionate, analytical, theological statements, though at this time I cannot remember what it is. In other words, there's never a time, is what he's trying to say. But the natural way to make statements that do justice to God's nature is to make them in the form of praise. Dispassionate, analytical statements about God deconstruct God. They deconstruct God. And this is what churches, this is the church I grew up in. We had deconstructed God down to our size, down to the way we imagined him to be, and not as the book of Psalms declared him to be. We had shrunk God down. We had made him man size. We had made him controllable now. We we made him rational now. We made him in the way that we want him now. Rather than realizing he's uncontrollable. He's undeniable. He is holy in a way that would shake you to the core of your being if you even drew near to him. I, I, I picture this in the book of Revelation. If you were to die right now in this moment, I, our culture, many of the movies that are portray this, right? The movies portray people dying and going to heaven. And, and what is mostly portrayed? Is it quiet or is it loud? It's always quiet. Is it kind of a cloudy, floaty existence and people kind of wandering around, wondering where they're at, typically? That is not biblical. If you were to die in this very moment, and and I'll save you your ears, as the book of Revelation describes it, the sounds that you would hear are like thunder and lightning and like many waters, the voice of many waters. In other words, the loudness of heaven would be so loud to shake you to your core and cause you to worship. That's what heaven is like. And we on earth are meant to be a reflection of that worship. But we've tamed it down. We've calmed it down. We've, we've brought God down because that makes us feel more comfortable. But by doing that, the world looks on and thinks, hmm, looks like that God's worth about a buck, maybe a buck fifty not millions and millions of dollars that these people are losing their minds, right? Like if somebody came in here one day and, or came into your home and said, you've just won $10 million. All right, thank you. Praise God. Shut the door. That was a nice man. Nice man came to the door and said we won $10 million. There's no way. You see, praise in the book of Hebrews, the culture of praise They have 21 words, different words, for our one word, praise. It's the same concept of Eskimos having 30 different words for snow and ice, and we've got two words, snow and ice. They are intimately acquainted with snow and ice. They know every detail and every difference there is, and they've got a name for it. They've got a word for it. It's important to them. There's really differences here and in the Hebrew culture, they have all these different words for praise, and we get the one word, and we don't even shout it. Well praise, hallelujah, this is good. Praise, Pray. amen, amen. Like, are we kidding? Is that the God we serve? Is that what is re- revealed in scripture? No, look at the words, and I'm only gonna deal with one. Again, there's, there's, there's 21. Lexical words just with praise, and then and there's a whole other word. It's like a whole language about praise. And again, most of you have heard the word "Hallel." It's, it's a Hebrew word, and if you'll look this up in Strong's Concordances, and you read down a little bit, it says to clamorously act foolish, to literally halalala, to bust out in whatever way you can imagine because you can't help yourself, because you're excited, the modern day equivalent would be experience at a championship basketball game, right? You remember Jordan? He came out with a special rehearsing kind of his career, right? He lost year after year. Jordan lost seven years in a row in the NBA and never got a championship. Each year he got a little closer. Each year he got a little closer. He's putting in the time. He's committed. He's thinking about it day and night. He's worshiping it. That's what he's doing. And when he finally breaks through, and he wins in his seventh year, go back, watch the videos. What does he do? He does hallel. He does hallel praise. He begins to do this. Yeah, 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 and people are just, ah, they're just running around looking for somebody to hug and high five and people tackle each other and that's what praise is. That's in the human heart Where are the two places we see praise like this? It's at sporting events and concerts, and when famous people come around. I was originally gonna show some videos of this, but I didn't know how it was gonna translate. Go onto YouTube, type in uh, fanatic Michael Jackson fans, and what do you think you're going to find? you're going to find what Hallel praise looks like. In other words, the kind of praise God talks about that he wants for him, you're gonna find there in those videos. There's another video, there's a a rap group, and again, if you think this is supposed to be natural, it's not. The rap group, everybody, you know, there was like 300,000 people at this concert. It was outside. And everybody's getting into it, whatever, and one of the guys comes out, all right, everybody stop. Is that natural? No, everybody's jacked up, half of them are drunk, and yet everybody stops. I mean, the rapper said stop, so everybody stopped. Nobody went, well, hey, he's kind of legalistic telling us how to, how to you know, get excited at his concert. Like, he's telling us what to do. I mean, this is not very good. This is not nice. That's not what they do. They stop there and listen. What's the rapper gonna say? And he says, okay. In a minute, we're going to start the music back up, and we're going to jump three times to the left and three times to the right. Everybody ready? Ah, of we're ready. And then they fire up the music and start jumping. And literally, they said, it shook the earth. 300,000 people begin in sequence. They get these back view views, and it looks like a sea of people just going nuts. Now again, calm, stop, they stop. Jump, they jump. Stop, they stop. Literally commanding them what to do, controlling the crowd, they call it. Nobody's got a problem with it. Well, wait a minute, my emotions just aren't up, and you know, this guy, what's he telling us to do? Nobody's doing this. It's a natural human response when they're excited about what they're involved in. It's a natural human experience. When you win a, a sporting event, that you put so much time and effort into to lose your mind when you win. It's a natural thing, it's, it's God-given, it's, it's the way we were created to be. But somehow, just like the church I grew up in, they actually so distorted it, I couldn't take it. I, I'd been doing the woods thing, sweating like I am now, Just coming back home, my dad going, what in the world happened to you? I have twigs, and I've been praising, I didn't tell him I was praising God, but that's what I'd been doing. And I couldn't take it no more, so I went to church, and I thought, God, I can't do it. I I, I can't sit there and see your name not praised and honored the way you've called it forth. And so I decided this would be, I'm, I'm 16, by the way, and in this church, as far as I knew, and as far as what I was taught They're the only believers going to heaven or at least have a shot. The rest of y'all don't even have a shot. We've got a 10% shot at least. Maybe five, I don't know. It wasn't very big. But I couldn't take it no more. So I decided this is gonna be my last Sunday. It's my family, it's my cousins, it's every believer that I know of in the world. And I'm about to ready to make a mockery of the whole thing. And I stand up. And I begin to sing a song ain't none of them heard. Our God is faithful and able to keep us holy, to walk us boldly. And, to, and I'm just dancing around this church. And every now and then I'll peek, I'll peek to look. And I, the, the people's mouths were down here. I don't know if they knew to cast the spirit out of me or, or what to do. But the end of that song says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. His kingdom of love, we decree. Let all creation rise up and sing and say with a shout, we're redeemed! And then I just walked out of the church. That's how I left that church. The church I grew up in, the church of my parents, my parents are there, my brother's there, my cousins are there, I'm the youngest of the cousins, and that's how I decided to do it. And if I'm not gonna praise, if I'm not gonna let people keep me from praising there, I'm not gonna let people stop me from praising anywhere, whether it's at work, whether it's in the street. Again, I'm not gonna be wacko, jacko, crazy town, but there's a time to praise God, and there's a place for it, and it's not gonna be comfortable. I'm not just talking about here at the church, I'm talking about out at the park, I'm talking about in somebody else's home, I'm talking about when you're sharing the gospel. To declare the praises and the mighty deeds. I'm gonna. I don't see where our time is here. Just a few more minutes. The whole book of Psalms is awesome, and the uh, last book, the fifth book, it's very interesting. In other words, the book of Psalms is telling a story. They're not just individual psalms. The whole book is telling the story of David and his rise to fulfill the promises of God that he would one day sit on the throne. And the story of David is not just for David. It's for the whole nation of Israel to partake in. As David goes, so we all go. And David is the archetype of the one who would come after him, Jesus. And as Jesus goes, so his people go. And so all these praises, Jesus himself did these praises. You realize this, right? And I don't have time to go into them all, but I'm gonna read you at the, at the end of the book of Psalms, the conclusion of the matter. My heart explodes with praise to you. Now and forevermore, my heart bows in worship to you, my King and my God. Every day I will lift up my praise to your name with praises that will last throughout eternity. Lord, you are great and worthy of the highest praise, for there is no end to the discovery of the greatness that surrounds you. 146. This is how the book concludes with praise song after praise song after praise song after praise song, and it ends with let every instrument, let everything in creation, let everything that has the breath of God in it. When he says let everything that has breath, you gotta understand what he's saying. God gave every living being breath, and if he gave that breath to you, then use it for what he gave it for which is to praise him, to glorify him, and to magnify him in prayer, in private, in public, that the nations may know the greatness of our God. We have shrunk God down. We need to turn and say, God, we want to see you for who you really are. And the only way to begin to do that is to begin to praise him with all your might. Just begin to do it. Don't think about it don't question it, don't consider it, just do, just respond. You see, you act your way into believing. You don't believe your way into acting. It never works that way. You always act in response to what he has said and what he has revealed. You just do, and then the understanding comes. But if you sit there and go, hmm, I don't know, it's just kind of a strange concept. I I might wanna think about The moment you get there, you've lost. Just begin to praise. Every day, get music going on in your house 24 seven. When you go to bed, put more praise on. When you go throughout, the, when you leave your house, leave praise music in the house. When you go to your car, get praise music going on in your car. When you go to work, get praise. If nothing else, take on your break and go praise. Just praise, 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 praise him, praise him, praise him. That's what the Psalms say, and they command us to do so. And Jesus led his disciples in the same thing. This is what they did. They acted crazy, they acted exuberant, they shouted, they danced right before Jesus went to the cross. Psalms 118, go read it, it's wonderful, it's beautiful. The New Testament constantly quotes it because it was the last song that Jesus prayed that he sang with his disciples before he was taken. It's it's beautiful. You see, engagement with God in prayer and in praise comes joy and freedom in the Holy Spirit. Because now when I don't care what you think of me, I don't care what my culture thinks of me, I only care about what my God thinks of me, guess what the result of that is? Freedom and joy. Freedom and joy. When I was 16 and I walked out of the church I grew up in, the only people I knew I found freedom and joy, and I pray today that you'll have the courage to begin to praise God like never before, and when you do, tell me when you experience the freedom and the joy that is found in Christ our King. Amen? Father, we pray. We want to see you as you really are. We don't want to shrink you down. We want to praise you for all eternity. We want to resound your name and let it echo across this land, God, in the midst of whatever pandemic, in the midst of whatever problems that people are going through. We want them to hear and see praise on our lips because it's not about us, God. It's about what you've done. And what you've done is provided everything we need for life and for godliness, for freedom and joy that is found in the Holy Spirit. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor, God. I love you. I thank you for saving me as a child. You delivered me from a situation that very few people ever fully get out of, God. I don't hardly know of any other kid in my church that is healthy following you today, God, but somehow you found a way to let me know who you really are. And I pray that for everyone who hears this message, God, that they would turn to you in praise and they would find freedom and joy in the full sway in the Holy Spirit. And we pray that for you tonight in Jesus' name, amen.
0: What a good night. We hope that tonight's been a blessing to you. Uh, just a couple things as we, uh, as we close out. We just want to make sure that if, if you're looking for connection tonight, you just want to get together with anybody from the church, in the, the chat below the video, there's going to be a link there uh, to a Zoom room where you can jump in there. And we're just waiting to connect with you. Say, hey, see what's going on. Uh, maybe bring some food. You all can have dinner together digitally. Unless you don't like people watching you eat, that would be awkward, so don't do that. Um, yeah. Other than that, uh, yeah, we just want to thank you again. Those of you who, who partner with us financially, if, if you give to the church at all, uh, we're just so grateful for that. That's what allows us to continue to do what we're doing now, to push through this COVID season and uh, to continue to live stream and um, just find other ways that we can be the church to, to reach out and be a blessing to our community. So uh, again, if you, you've got tithes that you want to give, you can do that through our app uh, in there. But we just want to thank you again. Uh, for allowing us to come into your home tonight to worship with you, to to praise with you. Uh, And so we just want to close out with a word of prayer. So Father God, we thank you uh, for the work that you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. We pray, Father, just uh, the message from David tonight that uh, maybe all of us in some way, shape or form that we can uh, just tap in a little bit more into our passion for you. God, uh, we part of the reason we bring guitars, we bring lights, we do what we do to worship is because we we know that you are a big God. And we don't want our worship to be small. Lord, we want our worship to be huge uh, because you're so much bigger than that. And you're so much more worthy of praise than we could ever give to you. Um, So would you just awaken places in our heart, God, where we can go deeper, where we can know you more. And that knowledge of you just doesn't sit in our hearts and just rest there but it, it leads to an explosion of worship, Lord. I just, I see in my mind a picture of a tree planted by streams of water, like Psalm 1, 1 through 3 talks about, that as we draw that nourishment up from you, as we meditate on you and get to know you, that tree uh, is, is able to grow, and, and you just see that explosion of color in the leaves at the top with the branches raised. We want arms raised in worship, God. We want to live a life like that. So would you just guide us through this next week? Show us each day just ways that we can take steps uh, to begin to live this out. We love you, Lord. We're excited once again just for all that you want to do in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Uh, Feel free to tune in. Uh, We hope you're doing well.